Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. We have uh, quite a lineup today. We are going to get the reaction of the ag community to what they heard this week in the in the uh, confirmation hearings for Tom Vilsack to be USDA Secretary and Michael Regan to be EPA Administrator as uh, they both answered some key questions. Nothing controversial, no big bombshells, but yet kind of a look into their approach to a lot of key issues and what we may see ahead. We're going to hear today from uh, Michael Formica with the National Pork Producers Council, Zippy Duvall, Duvall, President of the American Farm Bureau Federation, and Steve Sinsky, CEO of the American Soybean Association. And uh, we'll find out what they thought about those uh, comments by the two nominees this week and what are some of the priority issues that they see from their organization standpoint moving forward. But we're going to start it off on that topic with Ethan Lane, Vice President, Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Ethan, thank you for joining us again. Um, First of all, your takeaways from what you heard from both Tom Vilsack and Michael Regan. Well, I think you're right. There weren't any real bombshells, nothing controversial, but we did get to hear a little more about what Secretary Vilsack and Mr. Regan uh, intend to do during their time in office. Uh, we had kind of a, a little bit of, of, of a preview of this and some of the policy memos uh, that were circulated during the transition. There's going to be a heavy focus on climate policy. Uh, there's going to be a heavy focus on uh, trying to uh, make sure that smaller producers are, are brought into the fold and not left behind in the ag economy. And, you know, we heard some discussion during Secretary Vilsack's hearing in particular on his intent as far as revisiting some of those kind of long-standing issues in ag uh, that he dealt with in his last time in office and, and you know, where he intends to go from there uh, on, on some of those sort of overarching industry issues um, and kind of the work of the Trump administration as it came to a conclusion and where he's going to pick up on that, whether it's CFAP um, or some of these support programs that we've been talking so much over the last year about. But it, it was a good chance to kind of hear his perspective on that. Um, and across the board, I think it was really uh, positive to hear how declarative they were about the need to make sure that ag has a seat at the table in these conversations and that we're one of the first points of contact to get these things accomplished rather than just foisting them on us. Uh, The topic of country of origin labeling came up with Secretary Vilsack. Of course, NCBA opposes uh, mandatory country of origin labeling. Tom Vilsack didn't endorse it, but he didn't close the door on it either. What What do you think there and where we might be headed with this? Well, I thought it was interesting. Everybody in that in that discussion throughout the hearing uh, made mention of the fact that the WTO compliance issue isn't going away. Uh, MCOOL in its previous form didn't work because it simply wasn't WTO compliant. And four court cases at the WTO demonstrated that. But everyone's trying to solve this this labeling issue. One of our top priorities for this year is is working to ensure that our producers in the U.S. have the ability to differentiate their products in the marketplace and build more value uh, in the. Supply 
supply chain. This is something we've been working about, you know, on from the from the perspective of hook space uh, in the cattle markets, price discovery, and we need to do it in product differentiation as well. USDA has a lot of those tools. We were really pleased to hear Secretary Vilsack say he is ready to hear ideas on how to solve this that can meet that WTO compliance threshold. We think we have some some suggestions for him, and we're looking forward to having that conversation. We need to start with product of the USA. It's not a label that works for consumers. It's not a label that works for producers, and it doesn't help us build value for producers in the marketplace. So we're ready to have that conversation. We're ready to get started, um, and we have the policy to, to allow us to do that. A lot of speculation around waters of the U.S. and what approach uh, EPA will take on that. The Senate has taken some action, uh, voted, voting 51 to 49 in favor of preserving the Trump administration rule. Uh, where do you see this headed? Well, look, we're going to be having this conversation on all of the rulemakings of the past four years in the Trump administration. And a lot of us in the ag community obviously have put a lot into to that rule in particular, but, you know, all of these different rulemakings. And we're hearing from the Biden team, obviously, they've identified 46 of those regulations that are kind of right at the top of their list to do a top-down review on. And these things take years to, to redevelop. You know, we saw it during the Obama administration. Rulemakings that were adverse to the ag community took years in the Trump administration to revise. The same dynamic will exist in the Biden administration. And we, we hope they are sincere on their offer to make sure ag has a seat at the table in those conversations. We intend to occupy that seat and, and and make sure that our producers' voices are heard as they revisit some of those rules. That shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that they want to put their mark on some of those things, but we're going to need to aggressively advocate for what agriculture needs to be successful, and they need to understand that bad federal policy can shut down rural America in a heartbeat if it's, if it's not done in a way that is really thoughtful to how the ag economy works and what producers on the ground need to be success, successful. What are you expecting... Uh, what are you picking up from Michael Regan about how he might deal with issues like CAFOs? So, you know, in his time in North Carolina, in his previous experience in Washington, he's got a really long track record of being open to hearing all sides of an issue. He is certainly not going to look at these issues the same way as, as uh, the Trump EPA did, but he is making a real commitment to engage with agriculture. So uh, we're, we're hopeful that means that we can have a real science-based conversation on, uh, on the, the impact of CAFOs and, you know, kind of the net benefit of that optimized production system that we have in the U.S. We think we have a really good story to tell in that regard, and we think we have science to back it up, and a lot of that science comes right out of EPA. So, you know, let's, let's, let's have that conversation and, and, uh, with an administrator that is open to having it and, and wants to work with agriculture. Um, let's see if we can get to a better spot on some of these things and maybe put some of these issues to rest moving forward so that we're not relitigating them every four years with a new administration. Is that the key from what we've learned so far? At least the indications are a willingness from an EPA administrator to be open to talking with agriculture? Absolutely. Uh, unquestionably. And, and that certainly, I think it's fair to say, wasn't the case at the beginning of the Obama administration. Um, you know, so this is, this is a really positive step. Um, you know, and like I keep saying, we are not going to agree with them all the time. We're, we may not even agree with them 50% of the time. But the dialogue is what's really, really important here. Um, the ability to, to genuinely have a seat at the table and engage and go back and forth on these issues. You know, we have, we have conversations with groups we don't agree with here in Washington every day. Um, and, and often, 
that conversation stops at the door of those federal agencies um, for one side of the, the discussion or the other, depending on who's in office. So if the Biden team can kind of crack that code of making sure everyone has a seat at the table and we can have an honest conversation about how to get some of this stuff addressed, uh, I, I think we're, we're, we're way ahead of the game. And, and I think that the Biden team will do themselves a great service in rural America where they didn't perform very well in the election. If they can demonstrate that they understand that, that rural America has needs, that agriculture has needs and if they're here to try to help with those all right ethan thanks a lot we'll see how this goes seems to be off to a pretty good start um the the challenges are still ahead though we'll see how it goes thank you very much thanks mike appreciate it ethan ethan lane vice president government affairs for the national cattlemen's beef association up next we'll hear from the pork industry michael formica with the national pork producers council stay with us you're listening to aoa Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Always good to talk with the CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Colin Woodall. There are still voices out there calling for country of origin labeling. And do you think that's going to become a big issue again? There's no doubt about it. What we continue to push for is the recognition that there are better opportunities to showcase our product, and we can do that through voluntary means. There's quite a few programs that are regional or state-based in nature. One that has been extremely successful is the Kentucky product program that's going on there, where they have worked with Kroger stores in Kentucky to have a branded program, Kentucky Beef. And that voluntary approach, we think, has more connection to that consumer than just a, a blanket government-run country of origin labeling program. We're against mandatory government labeling in regards to country of origin, but we believe that those value-added labeling programs that show some sort of origin do have value. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. 
And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. We continue to get a reaction from the ag community to the confirmation hearings for Tom Vilsack and Michael Regan. Seemingly so far so good, but uh, neither one of those uh, gentlemen have made any uh, decisions in their new jobs yet. This is just the start, and uh, they have uh, expressed a willingness to be open to listen to all sides. But we're also trying to kind of get a look at uh, where they may be headed, what uh, a look to the future as far as policy on some key issues. We hear now from the pork industry, joined now by Michael Formica, Assistant Vice President, Domestic Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Michael, thank you for joining us. Uh, so far, so good? So far, so good. Um, you know what? There was an election, new administrations coming in, and you know, at, at USDA, so we all know Tom Vilsack, He's, you know, he served there eight years before, and so that's uh, that's some stability and consistency. Um, we know, you know, we we know about him. We know we can work with him. And then uh, at uh, you know, for the pork industry at least, at uh, at EPA, we were we were we were a little concerned at, at some of the names that we saw being uh, being floated about early on, and then uh, we're thrilled when Michael Regan, who uh, had spent the last four years is the head of uh, the Department of Natural Resources in North Carolina, uh, actually got the nomination. We've got a long history of uh, positive engagement with him, and he's done uh, he's done good work and been a fair partner. Yeah, so uh, you're, you're basing a lot of your uh, optimism on his track record of working with the pork industry in his state of North Carolina. Uh, what were some of the issues that were addressed there, how he handled them that gives you optimism moving forward? So the yeah, that's a great that's a great question, and I, I guess for most of your audience, uh, which is not in is not in North Carolina, he's a you know, he he's a new face and a new name. So in particular in North Carolina, the um, the industry there was faced with a uh, and, and folks are st- going to start to hear this term environmental justice a lot. They were facing an environmental justice challenge. There was uh, the usual act, the usual suspect, the usual activist group had filed this complaint with uh, with the federal EPA, saying that North Carolina failed to regulate and enforce against the pork industry, and all federal monies to North Carolina needed to stop. And they wanted to in North Carolina. There's a whole separate uh, swine regulatory program. That they wanted to stop that program and eliminate hog farming in North Carolina, um, and they, his first action is is the secretary down there was actually to sign a settlement agreement over this, which caused us even greater concern. Um, but then what you know what he did he and the settlement actually in hindsight made sense because it stopped further movement on you know on this complaint. It kept it out of court. 
um, they they began sitting down and meeting with the stakeholders. They agreed to do some water quality testing. They agreed to do some air quality testing to see if the if the allegations that were being made held. Right? Is there any is there any substance here? And at the end of the day, he under political pressure to to come down against us, came to the conclusion that no. There's nothing here that would justify doing anything different than the state has done to regulate the industry in the past, which is all we we had been arguing about. But there, you know, we were following the law. The law was passed. We were following it, complying with the regulation. And he looked at the he looked at the situation on the ground and came and and in that process met with a lot of farmers. And he is from Eastern North Carolina. Uh, and came to the conclusion that, indeed, that's what was going on. The second thing that happened was Hurricane Florence hit the state. And folks may remember you know, three, maybe three years ago, um, Florence parked itself over the coast of North Carolina, um, literally biblical amounts of rain. This is like a 20,000-year storm event. They had a massive storm surge, and it just rained and rained and rained. There were places getting you know, over 40 inches of rain. Um, large parts of, uh, of the state completely underwater, and they lasted that way for weeks. There were uh, a couple of hog farms where there were some problems because there's just all this water. Um, but out of 2,000 farms, 2,000 permitted hog farms, there were five that had problems. There were some poultry operations that had some problems. But again, it's a small a small number out of the out of the larger picture. Um, there was a lot of national media attention on this, and all of that media attention was focusing on livestock production, particularly the pork industry, but also poultry producers, is being a terrible environmental problem. And Michael Regan stood up and said, they are not the problem. Their farms have largely, this is an epic disaster, if you want to point the finger at anyone, you need to point the finger at the the municipal sewage systems. It's not even their fault either because this is a terrible natural disaster. But all your little local municipal sewage systems are continuing to dump sewage directly out and that's the, into the water system. And that's the way they were designed. And that's been something we've been complaining about for, for decades that we would get blamed for something that wasn't being caused by us. And so to have a state official uh, stand up and defend us and actually tell the, tell the truth as to what was going on was shocking to our producers in North Carolina. And, and, and you know, they have a great relationship with him, um, you know, that grew out of this whole entire process. Right. So that gives you a kind of a, hopefully a look at how he'll handle those kind of issues, uh, in his new position as administrator of EPA. We're talking with Michael Formica with the National Pork Producers Council. Michael, a big part of the, we know what the push is on, it's going to be on climate policy, climate issues. The question is going to be whether uh, agriculture will get acknowledgement uh, and credit for what they are already doing to help in these areas. And I know in the case of the pork industry, uh, you, your producers have been very involved in environmental programs for a number of years, and you've launched a, yet another new program on this front. Tell us about it. Yeah, so farming, you know, farming today for tomorrow, uh, and really should be farming in the past 
end today and for tomorrow because we're not just starting to change how we farm today. We've been doing, you know, we've been advancing our our techniques and our processes, bringing in, incorporating new technologies, going back, you know, a few decades now, and constantly reinventing how we how we do things, do changes on the, you know on the micro level and the macro level uh, to become more efficient. That's why we're the low-cost producer of pork around the world because we focus on efficiency, and that efficiency means that you are also reducing ultimately your environmental footprint. So we're, you know, we are precisely applying manure. We're taking advantage of every pound of nitrogen that we have out there. We are, um, you know, we're focused on um, feed efficiency. We're, you know, if if the amount of Grain is a problem. Well, we're you know, or or the footprint associated with grain, which is something we've heard, is a problem. Well, we're taking care of that because we're we are making sure that our animals, through proper nutrition, through proper health, are are consuming and, you know and and digesting all of the nutritional value as efficiently as possible. And so the end result is we have seen over the last couple of decades incredible reductions in you know, in every metric that you would measure for you know for what our environmental outputs are we are you know we're producing more and you know we're producing more pork with less resources used all right michael and as i said the key would be for and i know you you at pork producers council and uh, the other ag groups are all making their cases right now to the administration and and, and to congress saying hey we are part of the uh, solution on these climate issues that you're working on uh, please give us a credit for those and uh, acknowledge what we're doing and that we're not uh, don't look upon us as just part of the problem we are part of the solution right here so uh, hopefully yeah, that I, message I, will be re- received well and I think both Secretary Vilsack and you know and Administrator Regan um, you know understand that they they understand mm-hmm. that and we're not I would be shocked if we became the target they're looking at us as being helpful to that process. Okay, all right, Michael, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Eat more pork. <laughs> Michael Formica, Assistant Vice President, Domestic Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. So agriculture continues to uh, um, make its uh, case here to uh, the new administration and to the new Congress on a lot of key issues. Up next, we will hear from the President of the American Farm Bureau Federation, Zippy Duvall, joins us. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. 
They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Corn futures are slightly lower to begin Friday following Thursday's export sales report, which featured market year high sales of nearly 293 million bushels. That sale number is believed to be a record, and China was responsible for the lion's share of the total. Mexico and Japan were also active buyers. Soybean futures continue to move in a consolidating sideways range for the past nine to ten days. Last week's U.S. soybean exports were 30.3 million bushels, and that puts the total commitments up to 2.155 billion bushels. That equates to nearly 97 percent of the USDA's yearly projection, with the full seven months remaining in the crop year. On the Board of Trade, March corn is trading three and a half cent lower at 5.46 and a half cent. Looking at soybean futures, the March contract up three at 13.75 and three quarters. The May contract up four and a fraction at 13.73 and a half cent. For the wheat, Chicago. Wheat March up three and a half cent at 6.41. Kansas City Wheat March up three and three quarters at 6.22 and a half cent. Minneapolis Spring Wheat March up three and a half cent at 6.25 and a quarter. The May contract up three and three quarters at 6.36. The technical correction of cattle futures at the end of last week has been negated in April and later contracts. The prospect of strong cash this week and another report of good weekly exports is keeping the market supported. Feedlots continue to hold out for higher cash even though it will come down to the final day of the week. On the Board of Trade, April live cattle trading 45 cents lower at 123.30. March feeder cattle down 62 at 138.87. The April contract down 45 at 142.22. For lean hogs, the April contract trading 10 cents higher at 79.37. The May contract up 17 at 83.02. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. For the American Ag Network, I'm Kirsten Rall. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
And joining us now is the president of the American Farm Bureau Federation, Zippy Duvall. Zippy, thank you for joining us. We've we've had the confirmation hearings, uh, committee hearings for both Tom Vilsack for Ag Secretary, Michael Regan for Administrator of EPA. What were your takeaways? What stood out to you in those uh, comments made by both? Well, I, I just uh, I was impressed that uh, both of them were so prepared, uh, which doesn't really surprise me, but. Uh, uh, they gave some great answers, and I've had the opportunity to speak to both of them on the phone myself. Uh, so we're we're very pleased with both of those nominees, and and look forward to rolling up our sleeves and taking on the issues that rural America have in front of them, and farmers and ranchers, uh, with them. Do you, are there any areas of concern or uh, areas that uh, you'll be most focused on with with both of them and their new positions? Well, of course, you know, uh, concern and and just anxious to start work on them as, as some of the issues that we haven't dealt with in the past that we're beginning to talk to. And we knew this issue was going to come up whether, regardless of who won the election, that's a discussion around climate. So, you know, we've done a lot of work to prepare for that. Our farmers are uh, being uh, more and more aware of the discussion around policy around uh, climate. Uh, and our work with uh, the Food and Ag uh, Climate Alliance and the Farmers of Sustainable Future has helped us prepare for those conversations. So look, look forward to that. And then on the EPA side, of course, we worked hard for many, many years uh, trying to get a, a fair, clear uh, ruling on waters of the U.S., and we're concerned about what might happen with that because now we have clear rules so we can provide clear, clean water for the country. and. And uh, we, we're very uh, satisfied with that one. So we're concerned about what might happen with that. And, of course, on waters of the U.S., the Senate has taken uh, narrowly backing uh, the Trump administration rule for the time being. We'll see where that goes. Uh, we're talking with Zippy Duvall, president of the American Farm Bureau Federation. Zippy, this push on climate policy, on climate issues, how do you see agriculture fitting into this, and do you see – do you believe this administration is going to be open to making sure agriculture's voice is heard in this? Well, all the communications that we've had with the uh, transition team and com uh, the, the conversations I've had with uh, Secretary to be Secretary Vilsack or Secretary Vilsack of the past, uh, um, you know, it, uh, was very encouraging to me that they're going to be very aware of how these this is going to affect agriculture. Uh, talking about uh, uh, recognizing what we have done in the past uh, because our farmers have worked hard over decades to make sure that we were doing the right thing for our climate uh, and also moving forward with new policies that may uh, may create a new avenue of stream of income for our farmers uh, for new projects or even for uh, some of the things that we've been doing for decades so uh, that's very interesting to us and how they do it and whether or not there's a carbon bank and how it's funded. All those are question marks in our minds, but we're ready to sit down and have that conversation and make sure we do the right thing for farmers and ranchers in rural America. You know, the main thing is anything around climate, uh, we're urging and uh, we'll stand on the fact that everything has to be voluntary and science-based, market-based. Yeah, in the past, there have been these attempts, and it seems like there was uh, more regulatory burden and not the uh, economic opportunities afforded to agriculture and did not always seem to recognize or acknowledge the efforts agriculture had been making. But you think that will be different this time around? 
Well, I think it'll be different, uh, and we're going to be at the table making sure that that is recognized. Uh, and, and because you know that's what farmers for sustainable futures to tell the environmental story of agriculture, the farmers who are the first conservationists, what we have done for decades to improve our land and the environment around our farms. You know, people seem to forget real quickly that our farms are part of our home. And, you know, we we live and work each day to to be able to leave it to our families or or another family in better condition than what we found it, uh, not to harm it. Uh, So uh, I I think that this administration will give us a seat at the table and we'll make sure that that uh, we say those things and that our, our farmers are recognized for what they've been doing and what they will do based on voluntary programs and market-based. This push towards, uh, we hear so much about electric vehicles. Uh, where do you think that leaves the biofuels industry? Do you think this administration will, as they have said, will acknowledge and support biofuels in this effort? Well, we're very concerned about that. Uh, the, the difficulty right now is that we don't we, we we haven't had any explanations of how that will uh, affect the bio industry, and uh, we're uh, closely watching and monitoring that. You know, we we were very supportive of of uh, agriculture being part of the solution to being come, becoming energy independent from uh, the mid, middle uh, from uh, overseas involvement. We've become energy independent. Agriculture has played a major role in that. We've built a huge infrastructure around those those uh, fuels that come off the farm, and and we need to make sure that this this administration recognizes how important those infrastructures are, not just to farmers and ranchers, but all our rural communities and the people and all the jobs that's created there. Michael Regan has uh, stressed the his views about being open and listening to all sides. There'll be some um, certainly some animal agriculture issues that will be before him. How do you feel about that, based on what you know of his record in, in North Carolina? Well, uh, you know, our farmers and ranchers and our Farm Bureau in North Carolina have spoke highly of uh, Mr. Regan. Uh, I have spoke to him twice on the phone, and he assures me that he's going to allow us to sit and express our concerns and, and tell him uh, how we uh, think it's going to affect our farmers and ranchers. And you know, at the end of the day, you know that's you know, if you get get your seat at the table and we do our job right, hopefully, uh, common sense and sound science will will rule the day. Zippy, on a, a huge issue for the country and for agriculture, certainly is immigration. Do you, in your conversations with leaders there in Washington D.C., do you do you think we can get to a comprehensive immigration bill? Well, we surely hope so. You know, this is something we've been dealing with for decades, and having a comprehensive bill that in, in, includes uh, a labor force, a dependable, reliable labor force is not so heavily regulated that we can and we can afford on the farm would be a tremendous help to agriculture. It's the biggest limiting factor that American agriculture has. We have uh, young people going to college, coming out with degrees, coming back home. We have the land and resources and the water to do to expand and become even more productive. But if you can't find the labor to do it with, it very much limits us as a country that could not just only feed ourselves but feed a lot of the rest of the world like we're doing and even could do even more of it in the future if we had 
access to good labor. So we, we, I think there's an opportunity there to, uh, uh, to make sure that some of the workers that we have that's been on our farms for decades uh, have an opportunity to have a legal status to be able to be here and work. Uh, and I think there's an opportunity to uh, have a new work, guest worker program uh, that will fit agriculture. Our concern is, can we afford it? Will we be able to afford it when that comes around? And that's that's one of the big issues we have to talk about. Not too much regulation. Uh, make sure that it uh, 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 creates a formula that's not only good for the worker, but also good for the farmer, and he can be able to stay in business. Another big issue and another big opportunity would be an infrastructure. What in, in, within the infrastructure, what are your priorities? Well, of course, it's always roads, bridges, uh, docks, and uh, locks and dams. All those are important. How we uh, handle uh, water during natural disasters is important through the, the heartland of, of America and even down into uh, Mississippi and Louisiana. All those are important. Uh, but the one that we, the two that we don't talk enough about is the infrastructure around broadband. And the uh, pandemic has risen the necessity of uh, broadband to the top. It's not a luxury anymore. It's a, it's a necessity to do business. Not only do our farmers and ranchers need it for all the technologies and marketing opportunities that we have, but we also need it for our rural communities in health and education. There's a huge divide between the haves and have-nots, and it definitely separates rural from urban areas. And it's time for us to fix that problem. Uh, just like it was in the 30s with electricity, it's a necessity to be able to do business and live life today, uh, and, and broadband's one. The other issue, the other one that we don't talk about enough is research. Research dollars, we are being outspent by the rest of the world uh, for research dollars, uh, not just in agriculture, but all over, but especially in agriculture. And for us to stay on the cutting edge of research in agriculture uh, helps us to level that playing field in the rest of the world uh, that we have to have because we have to have those markets overseas to be able to move our products for our farmers to be sus uh, economically sustainable on their farms, uh, which brings us to another subject around trade and, and our interest there. That's Zippy Duvall, President of the American Farm Bureau Federation. Zippy, as always, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate what you're doing. God bless you and all the farmers out there. Coming up next, we will talk with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Steve Sinsky. His thoughts on what he heard from Tom Vilsack and Michael Regan in their confirmation hearings and some of the action being taken in the Senate and some of the key issues facing agriculture as we move forward. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. You may not realize how important three letters can be. 
For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life, but there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it, but only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors, waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patient's need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Ron Lamberty, Senior Vice President for the American Coalition for Ethanol. What's the message here you're trying to get out to uh, retailers about offering E15 to motorists? After a couple of rounds of uh, funding from the U.S. Department of Agriculture for infrastructure is that most of those stations that did not receive any money from these HBIP grant programs should know that they can probably use their existing equipment to sell E15. And that's very different from the message that they've been fed from the oil industry and even from regulators over the last several years. The most recent thing that happened is just at the end of the last administration, they issued a proposed rule to change the labeling requirements and compatibility requirements for offering E15. There's good stuff in there and there's some stuff that probably doesn't need to be in there, but it's a 90-day comment period and we want to make sure the retailers take a look at those things and tell us what needs to be in there that isn't and what's in there that doesn't need to be. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you. Cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. 
What kitchen gadget is so essential to food safety that no home should be without it? I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Toby Smithson. A food thermometer isn't just for meat and poultry. It will help you avoid food poisoning from egg dishes, casseroles, and leftovers by ensuring they're fully cooked by reaching a safe minimum internal temperature. Heat leftovers and casseroles to at least 165 degrees and egg dishes to at least 160 degrees. You'll find more food safety tips at homefoodsafety.org. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. Beware of telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you. Call is threatening you with arrest or other legal action and demanding money are not from us. If you receive a call like this, hang up, do not provide them with any form of payment or information, report the call at oig.ssa.gov. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we've heard from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, the National Pork Producers Council, and the American Farm Bureau Federation. We turn now to the American Soybean Association. Their CEO, Steve Sinski, joins us. Steve, we've heard from uh, Tom Vilsack and Michael Regan in their confirmation hearings. Uh, What stood out to you? Anything uh, in particular? Any red flags or concerns at this point? Mike, uh, is uh, I think both of them signaled, you know, very much an open door policy that they, uh, you know, look forward to working with agriculture groups. Certainly that has been our experience from the conversations that uh, we've had uh, with both Secretary Vilsack as well as as Michael Regan. Um, You know, on uh, Secretary Vilsack, he understands the importance of trade, and I think you heard that come out in his testimony about making sure that uh, we he, he, the significance of trade and that we need to build markets around the world for U.S. agriculture. And so for soybean farmers, that's certainly good news uh, since we export about 60% of our crop uh, is going overseas in one shape uh, or another, whether it's whole beans or meal uh, or our livestock products that go overseas. And so that was good. Certainly we heard from both. There's going to be a big focus on climate. Um, and uh, I think there again, the commitment of of looking for solutions that work with farmers. Secretary Vilsack talked about that making sure that farmers are the primary beneficiaries of any kind of climate payments or plan that's introduced. Certainly, that's something that we at the American Soybean Association certainly support as well. Many expect the Biden administration to change the waters of the U.S. rule again, although the Senate did vote 51 to 49 in favor of preserving the Trump administration's uh, waters of the U.S. rule. Do you get any thoughts, feelings, uh, which way uh, this administration may go on WOTUS? Well, uh, Michael Regan, during his confirmation hearing and leading up to it, of course, he's been very careful uh, on how he approaches that. Uh, but he did say, I think, you know, that EPA is going to be reviewing this, but we'll be convening stakeholders to discuss the best course of action. 
and that he did commit during his confirmation period, he was hearing several times to ensure that states have flexibility and he doesn't want litigation to stifle what stakeholders otherwise can agree on. And, you know, I view, uh, you know, from, I think we view from the American Soybean Association, the, the vote that occurred last night, uh, very positive in that it sends a signal to the administration um, that they have to be careful not to overreach and that they do need to bring folks together to try to come up with some consensus that not only protects waters, but also provides certainty to farmers, ranchers, and other segments of the economy and, and doesn't overreach like a lot of, lot, lot of uh, folks thought that the previous uh, Obama uh, WOTUS rule did. We're talking with Steve Sinsky, CEO of the American Soybean Association. So, Steve, it is very obvious that the push is going to be on climate issues, climate policy. And I've called this show-and-tell time for agriculture. You've got to show-and-tell the new Congress, the new administration, what, what you're doing in agriculture, that uh, you're part of the solution, not part of the problem, and trying to get them to acknowledge and credit agriculture for the steps that are being taken now. From a soybean grower perspective, what is your message to uh, the new Congress and the new administration on climate? Yeah, I just endorse what you have just what you just stated. What we have heard from our our members, from soybean farmers from across the nation, is that yeah, agriculture and soybean farmers and the industry can be part of the solution. We've been doing a lot of things right for a lot of years, uh, and there's great practices there. I think what we have heard very loud and clear is that any kind of uh, Incentives need to be uh, market-based. They need to be voluntary, no, no mandatory-type programs. I think we also have heard from a lot of uh, members and farmers that they want to make sure that as any kind of policies are crafted, that it doesn't penalize the folks that have been doing the right thing all of these years, uh, the people that have been uh, implementing conservation tillage, the people that may have been using cover crops for, you know, five years or more, they want to make sure that they're not locked out and put it, frankly, perhaps a competitive disadvantage relative to those people that are, that, that may be receiving payments for just starting to, to implement a practice. And so that's going to be tricky to try to get that policy right, but, but that's uh, certainly one of the things we've heard. Um, the other area that we think for from the soybean industry, and this is a message we're going to be bringing to both USDA and EPA as well, is that there's tremendous opportunities for biofuels and, and, and including biodiesel. You know, it reduces greenhouse gases by 83% compared to petroleum diesel, and that we do have a great solution there that should be part of any kind of climate action plan, and that's that's renewable fuels. Well, we know Tom Vilsack has a track record of being a big supporter of biofuels. Uh, we'll see what Michael Regan decides on a lot of those key issues. And I said this earlier, so far so good for both, but they haven't made the key decisions yet that, uh, <laughs> that we're waiting on. And as you know from being in, as Deputy Secretary of, at USDA, you know all so well what happens when you start making those decisions, then you start getting the reaction, and we'll see what happens then, right? That's that's true. That's true. Again, you know, I think they've been 
you know, very good about their comments that they've made, and again, I think are saying and and I think in, in, and mean it the right things that they want to make sure that they are trying to build consensus, that are trying to sit down with key stakeholders as those decisions are made. Um, but uh, yeah, the rubber eventually makes hits the road when you're making those decisions, and um, so that that will be put to the test. But it's good to get off to a good start, and seemingly, seemingly they are. Steve Sinsky, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Mike. That wraps it up for today. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks for joining us on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.